0: Let us pray. God, we thank you for this day, for this opportunity to freely gather here and worship you. And Lord, we pray you would speak into our hearts and minds and lives that which you have for each one of us. And may my words be yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we are finishing up our series on the minor (laughs) prophets. We have looked at a handful of these shorter books of the Bible, these minor prophets that speak the message of God and different ways, looking at Jonah and Amos and Hosea and Micah and Habakkuk, looking at what these messages are for us, and so we finish that today. Next week, I'm very excited, we begin our journey through the book of Ephesians, and we will each week look at a chapter of Ephesians as we journey through it. It's a powerful book, a powerful message for the church Today, and so encourage you to be reading that as we go, we invite you to study that with the bible study group it 's a wonderful, wonderful book. but today we come to the book of Micah, of course, this is our son 's name. We picked it for that reason. Jessica has long to joked that he is a, a minor prophet uh, as he gets older we won 't make that joke because he might take it seriously, but uh, we uh, I love this book of the Bible. It's so fascinating, and part of the section we are looking at today is one of the most well known sections of the minor prophets, uh, some of the most quoted verses in scripture. It's really, to be honest with you, this book of Micah is a legal document it's a legal argument on god's behalf it's it's a it's a writing about the issue of priorities in the issue of our covenant with God, God's covenant with the people. You see, baptism is not just a not just a practice that we celebrate out of habit, but it is meant for us to embrace and re-embrace God's covenant with us. And you see, covenant is different than a contract. A contract uh, is is a little different. It's a legal document. A covenant is more of a relational kind of agreement, a a relational understanding, like the covenant of marriage. You certainly have a a legal document with legal standing, but it's really not so much about the marriage license, is it? In fact, the marriage license may be the easiest part of the whole deal. And so this is what's happening. Micah is writing about the issue of the covenant because the people, they had forgotten They had forgotten about this agreement, this relationship that they had with the God of the universe. He is essentially God's lawyer, and this book is a set of legal proceedings. Now, again, I like a good argument, a good dialogue, but I was never intended to be a lawyer. That is not in my skill set. And I can't say that in my life that any of the legal proceedings that I've seen or been a part of have brought me joy or life. But don't worry, nothing bad. We'll get to that later. But it's, Micah's kind of under a divine order from God. He is acting as God's lawyer. He's trying to convince the people that they've missed the mark, that they've forgotten. And this is the beauty of the scriptures. This is the beauty of the minor prophets. That God speaks to us in so many different ways, in so many different forms. Because there's always a way in which we can understand. Some of us understand things better when there's a logical argument. Some of us get lost two sentences into a logical argument. And that's the beauty of the scripture, the beauty of the prophets, as they speak to us in every way. But it's not just a legal argument, it's not just a, a court case, if you will. It's also a history lesson. First and foremost, it's a history lesson. And not just a history lesson because there was a memory problem, that was true. But it's also a history lesson because the history impacts the present, And the people had forgotten that. And I would argue we too forget that. Our history with God impacts how we understand and react and experience the present. And so Micah wasn't just saying, you have failed. There's a problem with your covenant. But he's saying here, and we see this in this reading, have you forgotten what the God of the universe has done for you? You know, the truth is, we forget all the time. We get caught up in so many other things. We get caught up even in the legal arguments, the justness or injustice of the things that we experience. And we forget what God has done for us. We forget that which we have. The things, the people, the relationships, the experiences, the gifts that God has given us, we forget And so we're not necessarily any different than these folks here. But it's important to understand the simple message of Micah you sin, God is gracious. There's no but in there, it's not an afterthought, or, and I guess so, I have to. We sin, God is gracious. It's interesting as I started to study this book a little more and I will confess to you that I've read Micah for years and and I've studied it. I can't say that I studied it as extensively before uh, we chose our son's name. But when we were thinking about this, we thought, you know, we would like a nice biblical name. And this is the one that we were most excited about, Micah James, we thought was kind of cool and a little corny, you know, You had an Old Testament name and a New Testament name, and kind of excited you know that first child, even a little more exciting, and, and uh, I, I had to kind of laugh when I was doing this this week. It's amazing how these things come together in life, as I'm thinking about my family and my son in the midst of... Uh, some challenging times with the adoption process in the midst of studying this book and legal arguments that came with that process. And then in the midst of that special event that seems to come every year, that annual reminder of how much is truly genetic parent-teacher conferences. (laughs) And so, you know, you go to those parent-teacher conferences and I brace myself. In fact, we went to walk into the Micah's teacher's room and I said, should he be in here? Because I know. And I will I will say this is the best behavior conference report, the best overall report that we've ever had in the school years. So it was a good it was a good day. We celebrated with frosties. It was good. <laughs> but it is funny when you walk into that room and, and you hear some of the challenges that your teachers have observed about your children, and, and, and every time it seems like it's somehow genetic. And thankfully, this time all the bad stuff was Jessica's fault. And, uh, and so, and I sat back far enough as the teacher was saying things, I just did this, and so that, you know, the teacher understood where it came from. It's very important. But I have to laugh about this because, you know, I will admit, all truth be told, Um, The personality wise Micah is certainly much more like his father than his mother and we both have observed this but there is one distinct way where Jessica and Micah are so alike that I feel like at times they are the same person. I don't know if you've had this with your kids and it has to do with the, the, the name of this book that it's you know that I don't know maybe I should have thought through what we were naming him first because Micah loves to argue. And, and, and Micah is deeply competitive and Micah loves to win and so does his mother. And so in the morning sometimes, it's always the morning because there are no morning people in my house except for me. And, and, and in the morning, and, and that's barely so, in the morning, I, I will walk into the, into the kitchen and I will hear and observe because I've learned to stay out of it. It's a lose-lose situation for me. I will hear this legal argument, if you will, and it's like the same two people talking to each other. It's a funny thing. And you know, the truth is, we, I can say this because we laugh about this. You know, every parent-teacher conference, some teacher makes a comment about patience, and I, we all know that's Jessica. And, <laughs> and you know, I, we can laugh about this, but there is so much that happens here. And, and, and the truth is that sometimes we feel the need to make a good argument. A good argument for ourselves. And at some point in this book, the people start to pay attention to what Micah has to say. They start to realize, wait a minute, this is significant. Again, I don't know if you've ever had any experience with court proceedings, the law, or lawyers, but there does seem to be for people this moment, for most people, some never quite figure it out, that this is serious business. And so that happens. And they start to pay attention. They decide that maybe they need to listen to what Micah is saying. And what Micah is saying to them is shocking, that these good religious people, these chosen people, God's favorites, have messed up. They've walked away from God. They've forgotten the covenant. They've embraced sin. They, they've become comfortable with their religiousness. They've been become very comfortable. Look at me. God has chosen me. I am saved. Look what I do. I go to church and do this and do that. And so now I am comfortable. So for this guy to come in and start arguing with them and tell them that they don't have it together and in fact he is representing God because God has a case against them. The truth is that God is benevolent god is gracious god is bigger than any legal argument any legal system that we will ever experience on this earth god is the ultimate judge and thankfully the gracious judge but micah had to remind them that it was god who brought them to the promised land it was god who delivered them it's god who has delivered us it's god who has delivered us from our sin. It's God who has delivered us from a life without him. God has delivered us. We forget the promised land we lived in because even the promised land isn't perfect. We forget the joys that we have. And when we get focused on those things that are not right, we so often walk away from God and we walk away from the covenant. Or, even if things are good, we get comfortable. And we go through the motions and sit in our own comfort. And Micah is speaking to all of that. Micah is speaking to all of us. That God desires from us humble submission. The truth is, we are a very individualistic culture and society. We are a very independent bunch. Some of us more so than others. That came up in another parent-teacher conference, but that's another sermon. And the people started to realize that they had missed the mark, so much so that they began to plead. I don't know if you've ever had that experience, but something goes wrong, and then you realize you're wrong, (laughs) and then you begin to plead whether for forgiveness or mercy or grace or understanding. And so the people come to that point. What do we got to do? What sin do we have to avoid? What do we have to sacrifice? What do we have to give? What do we have to do to make this right? We have violated this agreement with God. We have walked away from God. We have violated this. What do we have to do to be right, to make this right, to be with God again? What do we have to do? They were getting desperate. They would do anything to restore their relationship with God, and Micah has a response. But first, let me share a story that I think is fitting. About five years ago, it was a Sunday morning, and uh, in Colorado, and I was running late for church at the time. I was uh, doing a kind of an interim position and in, in commuting an hour. And in Colorado, the highways are mostly seventy-five mile per hour zone. Okay. Except for these little sections where, you know, you get to a town and it turns to 65. And I was focused and running late. And and uh, and all of a sudden, as a part of my drive to the church, I encountered one of our fine public servants. Ooh. A nice gentleman with flashing lights and a uniform. This is not the first time or the last. And, uh, and he comes to me and he says... Uh, do you know how fast you were going? They make to make sure you're not confused. And, and so I, I, I'm a pastor driving to church, right? I mean, at some point, you just got to... I said, well... Now, I, I mean, understand that 75, I was not taking a legalistic interpretation of 75. Okay, you know, there's this... There's kind of this... I don't know if you've ever heard, there's a cushion... If anybody's ever told you that there's a, there's a cushion, and, and I, I, I live on the cushion, especially with my accelerator. And so, and so I said, "Well, honestly, officer, I believe I was going uh, 8'3. And, um, and, uh, but in a 75 and I, I'll be honest, I, you know I've not been pulled over for that, so maybe my cushion is uh, a little liberal. And he said, "Sir, I appreciate your honesty, but it was a 65. Yeah. It was a great ride with Jessica from that point to the church. Um. <laughs> And you know, instantly, uh, some of us have been there. Some of you are perfect drivers. I'm not. This is well documented. And, and and so some of you have been there. And and so naturally, you know, I knew I was guilty, but I wanted mercy, right? A, a way out, a, a, a reduction in sentence, if you will. And so, you know, a lot of times we know if you've got a good record, and believe it or not, I do. I you know, I space my visits out. And, and uh, you know, I, I um by the grace of God, but I, so I I said, you know, I'll go to, I'll I'll go to court, and then you can usually get a plea deal, because if you have a good record, you can get a reduced thing, and that helps on the old insurance bill, and, and, uh, and so I was ready to do that, and then I found out that the DA in that county was in a bad mood that month, and they were doing no deals, and then I was just indignant. How dare this act of injustice? I, I, my right as an American to get out of this ticket. And so I, you know, I had, we carried legal insurance being a pastor and a teacher. And so I called the lawyer who was going to, you know, go and represent me in court pro bono. And I was going to, I was going to, you know, I was going to have that lawyer fight for me. And I was so excited. I'm going to get this D.A. who forgot what it means to be an American. And, and so I go to court, and I'll tell you, I actually never made it in front of the judge. And it's not because I didn't show up or the police officer didn't show up. I kind of always hope for that. Um, but my lawyer got there and, and talked to the officer, and the lawyer comes back to me and says, yeah, you need to just pay this ticket and go home. <laughs> I said, but it's expensive. Uh, and he, I said, why? He said, well, When the officer asked you how fast you were going, did you tell him? And I said, well, yeah, I was a pastor driving to church. Yeah, he wrote it on the back of the ticket, what you said. Now, I left that courthouse that day, poor, dejected, and perhaps a little bit wiser. You know, it's it's interesting to me, because we all have these moments in life, whether ridiculous like that, or in simple mistakes or relationships, where We are pleading our case. We are asking for mercy. We are asking for grace. And it seems to me that sometimes we expect to get it, but we struggle to give it. And, you know, I think what Micah is saying here is very simple. You know, we we all stretch, we all plead, we all fall short. But in verse 8, Micah resolves it all. This is a pinnacle verse in the Old Testament, a pinnacle verse in Scripture. It sets the stage for Jesus. And he says, he has shown you what is good and what the Lord requires of thee, to act justly, to live as a people of justice. Not your sense of justice, like my story, not the government's even sense of justice, but God's justice to be just, and so oftentimes we equate justice with punishment, and that's inaccurate understanding of justice. But to act justly, and to love mercy, these are our two actions, our response to God and God's love and grace for us. To love with great mercy, to show great compassion, to love the unlovable, to love the frustrating, to love the pastors that speed, to love everyone. I just had to throw that in there, make sure you were awake to love everyone, to show great mercy. We live in a world where we have lost sight of mercy. And I'm not sure it's any different in the church and the world, and that I think is a sad thing, because we should be the caretakers of mercy. But he finishes not with a third action, but with a posture. And he says, and walk humbly with your God. That our call ultimately, and he's setting the stage for Jesus, who's going to come and invite us to be in relationship with him. Our ultimate call is to walk humbly with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if we do that, we won't lose sight of the covenant. Justice and mercy will be natural. That it is a day-to-day walking with God. That's what matters. Not legal arguments, not speeding tickets, not blessings, not challenges. It is the daily walking with God that matters. That is what we were created for. That is the point of our existence. And when we do that, it changes everything. It changes everything. To act justly, to love, mercy, And to walk humbly with our God. That's the covenant. That's our covenant with God. God has forgiven us. God loves us. God invites us to be in relationship with him. No matter what. No matter what. And we have a response. And our response is to walk with this God. In the midst of our imperfection, in the midst of our joys, in the midst of our fears. We have this covenant, this covenant that we embraced this morning in baptism, that Claire's parents embraced for her, that we commit as a church to be a part of. That when we stand up and affirm our faith, we embrace this covenant, these promises of God. And we simply say, God, we will seek you, God, we will walk with you. We have the choice. God gave us choice. To accept this covenant or to reject this covenant. And Micah was making a legal argument because the people, unknowingly perhaps, had rejected the covenant. They were comfortable. But those are our choices. Do we accept this covenant or do we reject this covenant? Make no mistake about it. We are sinners. We are guilty. You don't need a story about a speeding ticket to know that you are sinners. Yet God's grace is bigger than our mistakes. God's grace is bigger than our sin. And here's the beauty of the book of Micah. Here's the message, the overarching message of the book of Micah. You are guilty, you are pardoned. You are guilty, you are pardoned. And we oftentimes forget one or both of those things. We get comfortable and forget that we don't have it all together, that we're not perfect. Or we wallow in those weaknesses, those parts of our lives that are less than perfect, less than desirable, and we forget about the pardoning grace of God. And so Micah comes and makes an argument for us and for the people. Yes, you've fallen short but you can walk humbly with this God who will pardon you over and over again. What a joy. A message from this minor prophet that I would argue we still very much need today. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this word, for this book, for the prophet Micah, for the the argument, the message that Yes, we have fallen short. Yes, we've become comfortable. Yes, we have intentionally or unintentionally walked away from you. And yet, God, you invite us back. You pardon the guilty over and over again. And all you ask of us is to seek justice, to love mercy, and to day by day, moment by moment, walk humbly with you, trusting you for all that we have, all that we need, and all that we are. God, help us to embrace this message, not just in these moments, but in each and every day of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.